Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the Profit Productivity Podcast. It's your host, Michael Tipper. Who else would it be? Now, today's episode is called Mental Training for Deep Work Brings Back Memories of a Former Life. So as I continue to study the work of Cal Newport in his book, Deep Work, I am at the stage now where it looks about training your mind. And the chapter's called Embrace Boredom, which I talked a little bit about in yesterday's episode, oh, the episode from two days ago. Um, the Embrace Boredom title for this rule is slightly confusing because really it's about training yourself to resist distraction. And the boredom element really is about what happens when you truly focus your mind. Uh, it can become seemingly tedious because you've got that focus on just the one thing. And a, the element of boredom might slip in. But essentially what you're trying to do is get yourself focused on the task to the exclusion of everything else. How you resist distraction. Now, he talked about focusing on focus and easing up to allow distraction in. And then the rest of the chapter looks at training your mind. Now, he mentions uh, a suggestion to work like Teddy Roosevelt, who apparently worked at a prolific rate uh, with intense concentration and was known for being able to do things, uh, create great value out of small chunks of time. He was very prolific in all sorts of activities when he was studying or when he was at university, but didn't study that much. However, still managed to get really good grades because the way he studied was full of intense concentration. So Cal Newport has picked up on this from one of the books that he's read and suggested doing that. Now, he talked about identifying a deep task, um, estimating how long it usually take, and then give yourself a much reduced deadline and then commit to that deadline publicly and then force yourself to come up with the result at the end of that deadline. So that was one suggestion. And do this weekly at first is, is his suggestion. And that over time what will happen is you will start to be able to do that more and more often for longer and get much better results. But it's not something that's going to happen straight away. You're going to evolve into it. Another thing he suggested was called Meditate Productively. Again, a slightly confusing title because what he's talking is about training your mind to mull over a problem without the use of paper or, or any way of capturing the ideas, but just do it in your mind. He talks about how he did that when he was walking to and from work and when he was out jogging, and that enabled him to practice the ability to focus his attention on a single task uh, and deal with a single well-defined professional problem. And he suggested doing that two or three times a week. And what he suggests doing is that when you've got something, so for example, I had a go at doing this today when I went for a walk. And this was about me looking at how I'm going to put together a giveaway on my website such that people can come in, sign up for it, and uh, then be on my email list and I can then start sending them more valuable information to support their productivity. So I went out and I reviewed all the variables that were in my mind, defined the specific next step question, which was what do I need to do first of all the things I need to do and what sequence does that need to be in? And then as I was going through in my mind during the walk, I was slowly piecing together the order and questioning which order needed to go next and who I needed to get help from in order to support me in that task. So I did that whilst I was walking. So he recommended doing that, meditate productively. So review the ver relevant variables, define the specific next step question, process the answer, and then review the answer that you identified. And that worked. And 
it's a habit. You've got to develop this and build this up over time. He did this over the last, I think, two years of his time as an undergraduate and was able to develop the ability such that when he went into his master's and his doctorate, he had honed that and he was ready for the work that came up. And it allowed him to fine-tune his mind. But the, the training recommendation that I suppose attracted me the most was the last one, which is all about memorizing a complete deck of 52 playing cards. And this linked back to a previous life of mine. Because over 20 years ago, I won the silver medal in the World Memory Championships, and I correctly memorized a deck of cards in two minutes and 54 seconds in competition. Uh, my best, I think, in my own training was one minute 20. These days, the record is ridiculously low. Um, but back then, that was quite good. Uh, I also, in the same competition, memorized nine complete decks of cards in 60 minutes and was able to recall them accurately. And that earned me the title of being a grandmaster of memory and, as I said, won the silver medal. And I've been dining out of that story ever since in terms of learning and memory development. And so when I read about that as an activity, it brought back all those things I did in those years ago when I was training my mind to operate at an elite level in the high performance world of um, memory, uh, being a memory athlete or a mentathlete, as they called it those days. So I can remember the intense concentration necessary and the research that Cal Newport calls upon or, or he refers to, talks about people who went and studied those who, um, those who'd done the sort of things that I, have, I did in, in, in all those years ago. And they said that they found one of the biggest differences between memory athletes and the rest of us in a cognitive ability is not the direct measure of memory, at all, but of attention. And this is what Cal Newport's talking about in his Embrace Boredom chapter, is that development of attention. So the question is, how do you memorize a pack of cards? Well, it's quite easy, really. Um, sorry, it's quite simple is probably the best way of describing it. First of all, you need to have a set of pegs, if you like, a, a filing system in your memory that allows you to place mental imagery in a way that can be recalled in sequence. Now there are a number of ways of doing this. The way that I did it was called the journey technique, which was wandering around my house, for example, and identifying 26 locations around the house that followed in a sequence that were I to walk around the house and have a look at each of those places, I would follow a set sequence. And then to be able to do that in my mind so I could mentally walk that journey so that those places were discrete places. Now, the reason there were 26, because 52 cards in a deck and we memorized or I memorized two cards per location. So then how do you memorize the cards? Well, the idea then is to take each card and create a mental image that represents the card. Now, you can't just memorize seven of diamonds as a concept because it doesn't register because how do you differentiate from the seven of clubs, seven of spades, seven of hearts, or the eight of hearts, or the six of diamonds? You've got to find some unique way of linking them together. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of that. You can find out more about that in my book, which is called Instant Recall, which I'll put a link to in the, uh, in the show notes. But essentially, you get to a point where an image in your mind represents the card. So to give you an example, the Queen of Hearts for me was 
um, Lady Diana. So that image was the Queen of Hearts. The um, King of Diamonds was the Prince, uh, the um, Prince Philip. The King of King of Clubs was Prince Charles. Um, and then all the other cards had their own. I'm just giving some ones that were uh, you might be able to relate to in terms of the royalty link there. And basically, I would walk into, I'd pick up a, the first card off the deck, see the image, see the card. Because I'd trained my mind to link the card straight away with an image, I was then able to put that image in one of the locations in a way that stood out by using association, imagination, make things exaggerate, make things moving, lots of colour, absurd images. And that came through training. And then I was able to do that with all 52 cards, placing two per location and then be able to recall them. Now I've very quickly brushed over something that takes probably about two to three months of dedicated training to be able to have sufficient locations that you can practice the memorization, be able to get the images so that you're you can remember the cards and then be able to practice recalling them and linking them together. It takes quite a bit of concentration. So I, I know how to do it. I have done it at an elite level. Um, could I do that now? No, because I haven't done that for many, many years. I know how to and I could get back to doing it and may well consider doing that as a way of, as a way of developing my concentration for this particular purpose. But it was interesting to see that something I'd done in the past is recommended to the level of deep work. But it's interesting to see how I've been at that level in the past, but I'm not at that level now. So my abilities have declined because I've not practiced them. However, because I've been there, I know I can get back up to speed again. So it was just interesting, and it was a nod to the past. One of the interesting things is one of the references that he gives in the book, in the back into the, into the various notes is that he links to some websites about memory and one of the websites he links to is the world memory statistics website and i went on there had a look at it and i'm on there uh it's got my performances in the two memory championships that i competed in and uh, my current rankings in all of the different um events which are obviously extremely low now because there's been 20 years of competition and the standard has increased considerably so just an interesting experience so that's today's episode until tomorrow